right here at the church. Remember, you can stay connected to us by bookmarking the church at IndianLake.com, liking our Facebook page, and following us on Twitter at CH underscore Indian Lake. We'll see you next time. Oh, good morning, church. That was a great first response. I can't believe that. Usually it's dead, all right? But you guys are doing good. Hey, I need a show of hands um, this morning. How many of you think you'll watch the Super Bowl today? I can't believe that. I really can't believe it. I didn't know people still watch the Super Bowl if Pittsburgh wasn't in it. I just... I don't know. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. In the name of Jesus, cease. All right, cease. What, what's all this backlash coming from? I don't understand. Um, Luke Allison over here on the, the first row next to his daddy. Um, Luke came up to me before service. He said, uh, Pastor Matt, I want to give you something before you preach. I was thinking, uh, okay, this will be interesting. Luke, what are you, you going to give me? He gave me a little Steelers helmet. He said, uh, he said, too bad your team's not in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> but that's okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set that little helmet down here for you guys, just so that you know which team's dominant. Um, if, if you're wondering, I am pr- pulling for the Hawks. <sighs> oh, man. Okay, we got a crowd over here. We got the Hawk fans. Russell Wilson is a brother in the Lord, okay? And, and Richard Sherman we're working on him. All right. Amen. Okay. Lord blessing. But, um, uh, and it's, it's kind of odd because I'm an East Tennessee boy. Okay. Little small town, New Market, Tennessee, one red light, one post office, one church. All right. And that's about it. Uh, and in fifth grade, I remember they stopped, they basically shut down our elementary school to listen to Peyton Manning address the media on whether or not he was going to enter the NFL draft or come back for his senior season at the University of Tennessee. And as you guys know, he chose to come back for his senior season at the University of Tennessee, which basically made him a legend in the state of Tennessee. But despite all that, a lot of respect for Peyton. L-O-B, baby. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, all right? Let me give you a few announcements real quick. Can you put the picture up there, Mr. Todd? You guys need to see this thing. <laughs> that, is, that is what we call a mannequin. And some have coined the phrase, scary Jesus. But um, if you happen to find this scary Jesus in your bathroom... Or uh, possibly the trunk of your car, or maybe even in the front seat of your car, okay? Just know I did not put him there, all right? Contrary to popular opinion, I have washed my hands clean of this evil act, all right? But this guy has been, he's been passed around like Cleveland Browns tickets, all right? No one wants him, all right? (laughs) Ohio fans, yes sir, I got you. I'm just bitter, man. I'm just bitter, all right? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so if you find him, I didn't do it. Also, um, this was announced earlier by our lovely announcement, happy, cheerful lady, Miss Christina. Um, But uh, February 14th, we're going to have a Valentine's banquet. Listen, fellas, it's never too early to start thinking about Valentine's Day. We will make it easy for you, all right? Olive Garden's going to be catering. 
Uh, we're going to have some entertainment. Pastor Greg, our children's pastor, is going to do some uh, improv games like uh, Whose Line Is It Anyways? We're going to play an wed game with yours truly, Pastor Aaron and his wife, because they've been married so many years. And, uh, and so we're going to have a, a great night of enter- entertainment. All the money goes toward helping cut the cost for our students for our summer trips. So if you can, we'd love for you to be there. If you can't, um, donations are greatly accepted, okay? Let's jump in, all right? We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll give you a little background before we get to the passage. Um, 1 Corinthians was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. It actually was not the first letter he wrote to the church at Corinth. The first letter he wrote got lost, okay? So this is actually his second letter, but it, it's the first letter who made it to the church of Corinth, therefore it was canonized into scripture, and our Bible labels it as 1 Corinthians, okay? Corinth was a a very um, prosperous city, a a lot of tourism, a lot of trade going on, and a lot of sin, okay? Even in the church. Paul spent roughly a year and six months doing ministry there in Corinth, which was a big deal for him, because usually... You know, he would begin to preach in the temples and he would begin to teach about Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, God and King. And he would either be beaten or uh, stoned or thrown out. Okay, but at Corinth, he was there for a year and six months. So he had an opportunity to establish the church there at Corinth. And um, uh, at some time later, he moved into Ephesus, I believe, and he got word that the church was struggling. A lot of dysfunction, a lot of division. Um, some were picking fights with one another and taking, opening up court cases against brothers and sisters in Christ. There was some sexual immorality going on that in chapter 5, Paul says that even heathens or even people who do not pursue God don't even take part in this type of immorality. And so there was just a lot of issues going on in the church you can imagine as paul penned the words he was just gray hairs were just popping out everywhere you know because of the burden that this church had on him but he comes to chapter nine and in chapter nine he's defending his case his rights as an apostle as a sent one to spread the gospel and he comes to verse 24 chapter nine and he says this he says do you not know that in a race All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. In other words, run to win. You see, every single one of you in this room, including myself, we're in this race. All right? We're all running together. All of us are in the race. And some of you are running to win the race. Some of you are running with focus, determination, intensity. Some of you are running to get the prize. Some of you are running to win. Others of you are just running because you enjoy running or because you enjoy the sweet smell of of the petunias as you run or the mockingjay, the sound of the sweet mockingjay. But there's no fire. There's no focus to your running. You're just kind of running, moseying along, right? Just enjoying the day, enjoying the sunshine, but there's no intensity. You're not intent on winning the race. You're not focused on winning the race because after all, right, we're all going to get to the finish line and be winners, right? No, 
No. Paul says, no. There's one winner. One person is going to cross the finish line first and get the prize. So you and I should run and run in such a way as to get the prize. One of my heroes in the faith, I talk about him a lot, Francis Chan. He um, described our relationship with God like an escalator going downward. God's at the top, and we're on this escalator, and as long as we continue to put one foot in front of the other, and as long as we continue to move upward and move forward, and as long as we continue to keep our eyes focused on Christ, the Bible tells us in James 4, 8, that when we draw near to God, He does what? He draws near to us. As we seek Him, as we pursue Him, as we open this book the 66 love letters that he's given us and we study and we begin to read and we begin to spend time with God as we begin to teach and invest into other people as we begin to love and and invest into our families what we're learning in these scriptures as we grow in our relationship with God God will grow or not grow but God will come and meet us and draw near to us the problem is When we get distracted and we turn to the left and to the right and we begin to focus on things that have no eternal value whatsoever, things that this world says you need to focus on, things that we see on a daily basis and hear through music on a daily basis, things that this world preaches to our ears that we need to be about. And we get to focusing on these things and we take our eyes off Christ. And in doing so, we stop pursuing him. But we think we're okay, right? After all, I said the prayer when I was in sixth sixth grade, all right? I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. So, I mean, I'm okay, right? I mean, I'm going to heaven one day, right? Paul says, run, run this race such a way that you're going to win the race when you stop pursuing God guess what happens you keep moving farther away from him you may not think you are you may think everything's okay you show up at church a couple times out of the month you even contribute maybe put couple dollars couple hundred dollars in the bucket you think everything's going all right you may attend a 242 group every now and then and everything's okay but you're not pursuing Jesus there's no focus to your relationship with God there's no there's no passion in pursuing Christ your relationship with him is stagnant complacent it's kind of like marriage have my my wife in here with me she wasn't in here first service so i have to be careful you know some of the jokes i used i can't use now but uh <laughs> i'm just playing i'm just messing uh zoe and i had a heart to heart this past week um it was on wednesday and uh ladies let me let you into the mind of a, of a guy all right um we think everything's okay most of the time, right? I mean, I was thinking that everything's good in our marriage. I mean, 
After all, I'm the pastor, right? I mean, I love my wife, duh, right? So I'm thinking everything's good, everything's okay. I'm, I'm daddy, I'm coming home, trying to play with the kids, change the dirty diapers, you know, all that stuff. Ministry, I mean, thank God I'm not fired yet, right? So, I mean, that's, that's going decent. What are you laughing at? Are you making face expressions over here? No? But anyhow, I'm thinking in my head that everything's good. And so we were, this was Wednesday, we were supposed to meet with a, a couple in this church on Friday who've kind of been down the road a little bit and experienced some things. They were just, you know, offered to speak into us and, and, and counsel us a little bit. By the way, no one is too good for counseling, okay? Let me tell that to you. I, I don't care if I, I have a title as pastor, no one is too good for counseling. The problem becomes... All right, in my situation, and so let me get back to the story. I'm, squirrels, man, squirrels, there they are, they're everywhere. <laughs> so we were supposed to meet with this couple on Friday, and this was Wednesday, and so Zoe was talking with me, and she was asking me, you know, if they ask us what we struggle with or what's going on in our marriage, what, what are you going to say? And, uh, you know, I just labeled off a few surface level things, uh, you know, and um, I asked her the same question. I said, well, what about you? What would you say? And so that, that five minutes that I took turned into an hour that she took, right? And I was greatly humbled by some of the things she had to say because basically I was not meeting her emotional and spiritual needs like I needed to be. So ladies, understand, your guy is kind of like dumb and dumber sometimes, okay? He just don't get it, right? I mean, he's just thinking everything's good, okay? And so you, if there's an issue, if there's something going on that you need to communicate, don't, do not suppress it. Because the longer you suppress it, the more bitter, the more anger, the more angry, the more resentful you, you're going to become at your husband. And then you'll become another one of 54% of first-time marriages ending in divorce. We don't want that, okay? We don't want that. And so she began to talk to me and, and communicate. I didn't like it, right? I didn't like knowing that I was not doing a good job at being husband. That's not something I want to hear, but praise God, I needed to hear it. I needed to hear it. And that... That conversation broke down these walls and, and these barriers that had built up over time that I was clueless about. <laughs> I just thought everything was good. But there were some walls, there were some barriers built up that needed to be t tore down. And thank God she was able to communicate with me. And now the past four or five days have been awesome. I've never felt more close to Zoe as a result of communication and just getting things out on the table. So listen, you people who are married, all right, we all have problems, all right? Trust me, we have issues. Don't be afraid to seek help, all right? Don't be afraid to seek counseling. Ladies, don't be afraid to communicate to your man. And fellas, be humble enough to listen and to receive what your wife is trying to tell you, okay? Because you're not that good, 
all right? I just tell you, if I'm not that good, I know you're not that good, all right? No, I'm just playing. But really, I mean, this is uh, the beauty. This is what can happen in a marital relationship. As I stop pursuing my wife, and I stop really trying to woo her and, and take care of her and think about what she wants and what she needs, when I stop those things, we grow farther and farther apart. And it's the same with your relationship with God. When you stop seeking Him, when you stop having regular, quiet times where you're just sitting with your heavenly daddy and you're just asking him to speak into you, where you open up the scriptures with no assumptions, no anything, just, just open up the scriptures saying, God, teach me with the right heart. God, you just teach me. When you stop doing those things, when you stop looking to share your faith with a coworker, or to intentionally invest your life into your children, when you stop those things, you begin to grow farther and farther apart from Christ. And like in Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus was speaking to the church at Laodicea, and he says, you're neither hot nor cold, but you're just lukewarm. I just want to spit you out of my mouth. Because there's no fire. Man, there's no, there's no focus. There's no desire. You're just coming to church. You're just sitting. You're just listening, being entertained with the music and with the preaching. And that's all. Then you go back and you do the same thing Monday through Saturday. Nothing changes in your life. Jesus says, man, I cannot stand just lukewarm. I cannot do nothing with just lukewarm, just mediocrity. Mediocrity. I can't do anything with that. Wake up. We're in a race, and only one person is going to get the prize. So run to get the prize. Some of you, it's your work schedule. We have some very driven people in this room. All right, people who have jobs that require a lot of time and a lot of your devotion, okay? And even me as a, as a pastor, this is some of the stuff Zoe and I were dealing with. I can get so focused on saving the world and neglect the most important ministry that God has given me, my family. Can you put that picture up there, Ty? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to mess this up, church. I don't want to mess this up. Okay. Some of you have jobs in the medical field. Maybe you're doctors, lawyers, maybe you're managers. Okay. You run companies. All right. Some of you have jobs that are very, very demanding on your time schedule. But if your job is taking priority over your family, you're wrong. You're wrong. Because when I read this book, church, two things jump out at me. Number one, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We seek first Jesus. We seek him first. 
above everyone, above everything, above every material possession, we seek Jesus first and what he wants. And then number two, from the very beginning of time, God took a man and God took a woman and institutionalized what we call marriage between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship. That is God's heart. That's the very heart of God, the family. And when we begin to focus more on making money or fulfilling a deep need to feel like we've made it or like we're successful, I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't work to progress in your profession. I'm saying put boundaries around your work schedule. Put boundaries around them. Why? Psalm 127. King Solomon wrote this psalm. King Solomon was the second wisest man to walk this earth other than Jesus, by the way. It is no use for you to get up early and stay up late working for a living. The Lord gives sleep to those he loves. Now notice the transition here. We're talking about work. Verse 3. Children are a gift from the Lord. Babies are a reward. Children who are born to a young man are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Happy is the man who has his bag full of arrows. They will not be defeated when they fight their enemies at the city gate. Now, my wife loves to gently remind me of these verses because she wants like six babies. So she says, sweetie, I just want to remind you, children are are like arrows in the hand of a warrior, okay? Don't you want many arrows? Yeah. Need a little more money though, amen, right? <laughs> You're not gonna find me on Forbes magazine as a youth pastor, right? But I just, I can't help but noticing the transition that goes from from. Staying up, getting up early and working late and working for a living. And then children, children are a gift from the Lord. It's almost like King Solomon saying, don't miss out on your kids. Don't miss out on them. And some of you, you're so blind in this area because you've been so focused for so long on working and being successful and climbing the corporate ladder. And that's all it's been about. But you've missed precious, precious time with the ones that God has given you. The disciples that he has given you. You don't have to go out and fish for your children. God has given them to you. They are a blessing. They are a reward. So what are you suggesting, Pastor Matt? Well, listen, I'm no Dr. Phil, okay? Maybe this means for you, once a week, having a game night with your family. Maybe that's what that means. Maybe it means having a family devotion that you set aside, a family devotional. Maybe on a Tuesday or a Thursday morning, you get up together as a family and have a devotion together. And make a rule. Listen, and you men, you men are the ones who will enforce this. Because if the man enforces this, the family will follow. Amen. So you men, you be the ones to take control and say, this is going to be our family time. This is going to be our family time. No cell phones. No social media. Put it away. 
Let's look one another in the face and get back to leave it to beaver. Amen. Not quite that. All right, strict, all right. But really, we need face-to-face contact. Because in our culture today, we're going, we're moving. Johnny's got to be at a basketball game. Susie's got to be at dance. You know, we got to be at even church. This is where, this is what we can sometimes think that our work for God is more important than our ministry to our family. And that's not the case. Listen to me. That's not the case. Jesus first, your spouse second, your children third, then your job. Okay, And when we have those things in place, by the grace of God, you're going to raise children that are going to love and respect and adore you as parents. And then when they marry, they will have guidelines. They will have boundaries that they will set to protect that family time. Don't let that go. You invest into your spouse's. And you invest into your children. And when you do that, church, we begin to see change in our culture. We've lost the sense of what it means to be family. Will it be awkward? Heck yeah, it'll be awkward. Was it awkward to sit and have a face-to-face serious conversation with my wife? Yes. But man, can I tell you the benefits from it. Things are so much more open now. And you need to do that with your family. Take that time. Amen. Run to win the race, church. Verse 25. Let's close this thing up. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. And they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In roughly four hours... There are two out of 32 NFL teams that are going to square off together. Roughly 109 million people around this world are going to be watching these two teams. These two teams who these players have laid it all on the line the entire season. Their sweat, their blood, their tears, all the training that they put their bodies through, even all the medical attention that's coming out with the futures of their health, they are putting in danger All of that on the line for what? Tonight. That one of those teams are going to hoist that Lombardi trophy in the air. And that confetti is going to be falling down. And all their hard work and preparation, everything that they poured in, their whole life's dream tonight has an opportunity to be fulfilled. But guess what? It's only temporary. It's only temporary. Are you kidding me? In two weeks, you know what I'm going to be thinking about? The draft, right? Hey, I'm going to be thinking about who are we going to get to get us to the Super Bowl, right? The only people that's going to be concerned with who won tonight is the people who are cheering for the winning team. It's only temporary. But we do it to get a crown that will last 
forever. Let me remind you of something, church. There's going to come a day when you are going to be at the feet of Jesus Christ. And your hard work and all the work you put in in this lifetime serving him is not going to be in vain. It's not going to be useless. There's going to be a purpose for it. Because one day you're going to have an opportunity to take those crowns, all those crowns that you worked for, and you're going to be able to place them at the feet of Jesus you're going to be able to say thank you Jesus thank you for coming and dying for me this is my appreciation this is how I I thank you here's my crown this is the crown for my wife whom I invested in, whom I laid my life down for, who I love dearly. These are the crowns for my children that I poured my heart out to and did everything I could to teach them the scriptures. These are the crowns of those people I visited in prison, the widows that I met with, the homeless that I fed, the naked that I clothed. Jesus, here are my crowns. I don't want you to forget, church, your work is not in vain. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know, you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Every single one of you who clean toilets in this church, who clean windows in this church, every single one of you are going to have a crown because you're not doing it for us. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it for him. And one day you're going to have a a crown to lay down at at the feet of Christ. Every single one of you who spend countless upon countless hours working on troubles and issues that go on in this church building, you're going to have a crown to lay at the feet of Christ. If it's up to Pastor Aaron and I to get the job done, listen, we wouldn't have a building, all right? So thank you. Every single one of you who volunteer your time in the nursery, and wipe someone else's child's behind. And I've been in there. Hey, listen. Some of the smells will take the paint off the wall. I know what it's like. Thank you. That's going to be a crown one day that you're going to lay down at the feet of Christ. Every single one of you who volunteer as 242 leaders, every single one of you who volunteer your time to lead us to the throne room to worship God, those are crowns, church, crowns that you're going to be able to put at the feet of Jesus and say, thank you, God. Thank you. Would you stand with me, church? going to have a time for you to respond to the word that God has spoke to you this morning I just want you to ask ask yourself this question am I running to win the race am I running to win the race maybe you're visiting with us maybe you're just searching you're just seeking You, you have a lot of questions you don't quite know about this whole God thing Listen, that's okay. You keep searching. You keep seeking. You keep asking God to open up your eyes and reveal the truth to you. And he will. He will. Some of you may need to come to this altar. Some of you have been putting your work above your family. And you need to come and you need to repent. And you need to ask Jesus to forgive you and help you get your priorities in line. 
some of you need to come and confess that you've been complacent for too long. And you've just been running to enjoy the race and not running to win. Whatever it is, you come, you surrender, you lay your life down before the Lord. If you need to pray with someone, we'll have prayer partners.